Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and twos, Brandon Newman, and back yet again, my father, Mike Golick Sr. Dad, how are we feeling this morning? I'm feeling good, man. These playoff games, I'll tell you what. I mean, it. you know, you get you get caught up in the hype of it a little bit. So I, I, I love playoffs of anything, you know, and we're in the midst of hockey and NBA, which are going on. So all good. And, we, and the big matchup got off to a rousing start last night in Golden State. Yeah, I, we, it, it's given us another great show. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star yep. rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. We've also got Aaron Rodgers, who definitely didn't hand the Jets a list, getting another player off his list. Joel Embiid <laughs> finally adding the trophy to his hardware chest. And the game from last night, Dad, Brandon, and I are also out in South Bend. As we were watching the game last night, we were also rehearsing, getting ready to co-host one of the athlete award shows back on campus here that we were a part of when we were here on campus. We've been out doing all that and still dealing with the fallout of trying to play sports as an adult. 
Like we got back here on campus and we're getting ready to try and help out on this award show. And so right. we're co-hosting with a couple of the young ladies from the Notre Dame women's volleyball team currently. And as a little bit of team building, when we got here on campus, we decided to try and lace it up and play a little two on two volleyball. My calves, knees, and overall legs have not been this sore in months. I've been working out four to five times a week. I thought I was taking good care of myself. And then I got back into a competitive environment. And this is the first time I've felt really, truly washed, probably since I fell off the elliptical when we were on vacation many years ago. Yeah, that was uh, some great video that I'll hold on to the rest of my life. Uh, as far and, – and I'd imagine – you were getting up, oh, what, six, seven inches on that vert playing volleyball? Maybe. Isn't it amazing Maybe. how quick it goes? I mean, go back to when you were in the best shape of your life, probably when you were getting ready for your pro day at Notre Dame. You were like a little over 300 pounds. You were moving, doing good on the drills. And then compare that to what you and Brandon did yesterday and just how horrible it feels to be a washed athlete. I mean, I'm to the point, Mike, and I'm obviously way older than you. When I'm working out where I'm working out, if I have to do something on the ground, getting up is a chore. And every time I'm getting up, I'm thinking, my God, I would be on the ground every play and just pop back up. Now I don't even want to be on the ground at all. So now you're doing this sports in your early 30s and probably regretting it as you're doing it, knowing just how bad you're doing and how bad you feel. Unless you were playing well, which I haven't heard you say. So my team did win. I beat Brandon's squad. I, in the process, put my body on the line. I skinned my knee up, got a pretty nice raspberry on my left knee, which, as you know, the worst part of getting turfed up in a game, and you played on old school AstroTurf, so you know all that. We had the field turf when we got to college. But when you go down and you get that raspberry on your elbow yep. and knee or whatever is forgetting about it as you get the adrenaline rush of the rest of practice and then going home and getting in the shower and all of a sudden you get that quick jolt to burn, which I have to imagine was an even greater hell in the AstroTurf area. I don't know how any it's, of you survived that. It's a scream. I mean, it, it was horrific. <laughs> yes, you get that on your elbow or your knee, you go in the shower and you just, you just have to bite a hole in your lip because of the pain and then it's there the entire season because it keeps getting ripped off so welcome back to sport is this going to make you want to join some sort of you know weekend warrior type leagues now in volleyball you live in california you can go down and play some sand volleyball any interest in that now see i look at this like i survived a game of roulette because the reason I generally <laughs> avoid most adult competitive environments is my number one fear now as an adult is getting seriously injured and yep. having to go through the rehab process without everything there. Because everyone's got to understand, if you weren't in a high-level D1 locker room, dad, in your case, an NFL locker room, you've got so much at your disposal. If I need massage therapy, a chiropractor, if I need an MRI, if I need a team of people to help me rehab a serious injury, I've got it all in the building with me, right where I'm at. Now, as an adult, you got to track all that stuff down on your own. There's insurance that you've got to be cognizant of. All of these different things you've got to take into account. So I avoid those like the plague. And my thought in the middle of this volleyball match was... I just need to not injure myself before I have to go out for this award show because then I got to travel. I got to do a bunch of other things. So, no, I look at this as I survived, not I'm going to court more of this chaos. Like, you and mom just started playing pickleball. You've got a litany of injuries from when you were playing sports. Is there any part of you that's worried, even in pickleball, about re-aggravating some of this stuff? 
So it would have to be a fluke because I'm about as once I finished ball, all the competitive juices in me are gone. I, I don't care. You know, when I went and played some basketball or played golf or now pickleball, I, I, I don't care. I mean, I want to do well, but I'm not going, you know, all out to win all the time because I have that in my mind as well. I don't want to fall down and hurt myself. If I tear an Achilles or pop my knee, which I have to get replaced anyway in about a year, you know, just what you said, when you're part of a team and they want you back out on the field, rehab is great. When you're doing it on your own, it is awful. Hence, a, a leg I can't straighten out because of a horrible job of rehab I did for myself. So, yes, the main, while, while there are people that will compete very heavily uh, as they get older, I am not one of them. I am doing it purely for the joy. And if I ever get hurt, you're going to hear the biggest swear words come out of my mouth because that's all I'll be thinking about is I have to do rehab on my own. Well, and I mean, Dad, let's be real. At your age, a fall could be pretty devastating at this point. Like, we got to keep you topside because we don't know which fall could be your last. Okay, easy on that. I'm 60. I'm not 90. All right? All right? We're not in, in, oh, my God, Dad might break his hip, you know, years just yet. So hold off on that, big fella. I'm just saying, have we gotten thought about a life alert pendant? We thought about adding that to the jewelry. I know all you kids have thought about that for me, but no, that is not happening for me. I'm fine. When I fall down, I can still get up. Hence the commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. I can still get up. I don't enjoy it as much, but I can still get up. So don't make me older. Oh, you know what I'd like? The next time we do a Sorry in Advance, our family podcast, go ahead and ask your ma that. Go ahead and ask your ma if she'd like a, a emergency pendant. Go ahead and do that. Do that. My, Do that. My mother is a young woman in the prime of her life, and you will not oh. bring her name down into the muck with you and try and sully her great reputation. That's not going to happen. You know what? We'll downgrade you from life alert pendant, and we'll just say, you know how they say fall down seven times, get up eight? You're like a fall down seven times, get up five kind of range right now. That's probably where you live. So we're going to try and keep you upright, <laughs> keep you topside for this moment of time. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will actually look at the first or second round series between Golden State and the Lakers that delivered big time in game one. Can it keep this up? All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. So we say styles make fights all the time in sports. I think we've reached its peak. The Golden State Warriors-Lakers series got off in game one last night. The Lakers took game one on the road i had to spend 20 minutes last night dad explaining what stole home court advantage meant to brandon in your come house on. in south bend come on it was seriously it was, 
Brandon, do you want to do you want to speak for yourself here? Listen, there's a bunch of sports idioms and uh, things that are said that I have no idea what it said. You just kind of swallowed it and keep moving. I thought it was some type of technical thing that changes, but it's just a numbers game. And math and science was never my strong suit. Hey, so, Brandon, in this series, do you know who had home court to start the series? Yes, it was the Warriors because they were the highest okay. seeded team. So do you do you understand when they lost how the Lakers stole home court? Did you hear your son say he spent twenty minutes? We went over this. Yes, I get it now. Thank you. I wait. Wow. I love the idea that Brandon said he thought it was something technical. Like in order to actually yeah. steal home court advantage, someone <laughs> as a part of your team has to break into the area in the Chase Center where home court advantage is kept in a suitcase like it's Ocean's Eleven, and only then, even if you win the game, if you don't actually steal a home court advantage, you don't get to leave with it and go back to the uh, to crypto. Wow, wow, Brandon, Brandon, you know what you. You sometimes you impress me every day. Sometimes you surprise me each day. I just, I, I, you're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You know, never know what you're going to get with you. Styles make fights. And uh, I come okay. with a, a very wild drunken monkey style. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. want dynamic. He's a chameleon. And speaking of styles make fights, this stat I saw from ESPN really summed up what this game was. According to ESPN stats and info, Steph clay and jordan pool each hit six threes in the game last yep. night the lakers as a team made six like dad this was insane it was equal part like we saw both teams lean fully into what they were the story of the game i think ends up being anthony davis he goes for Whoa, 30 yeah. 25 and 5 and plays a monster game and everyone myself included is looking at this going Based on what we know about this guy, Dad, I don't think there's any way he sustains this over the course of an entire series, and that has to worry Lakers fans a little bit. It is absolutely the cross your fingers and hold your breath. We've talked about this before, even with him during the season. Every time he falls down, or there was a point last night where he got hit and he grabbed his hip, and you're like, oh my God, you never know what's going to be the thing that knocks him out. But all that said, to his credit... Man, when Jordan went down in the regular season, AD picked it up and helped get where they uh, where, where they ended up. And now he is he is the guy. I mean, it's not LeBron right now. We know LeBron has the ball. LeBron can dish. LeBron has a obviously another uh, double double. He scored what last night? He scored twenty two. By the way, that was the third fewest amount of points he has scored against Golden State in now twenty three playoff games against Golden State. It's the third fewest amount. So. This is Anthony Davis, and you mentioned the points and the rebounds. He had he had what nine or or I'm sorry four blocks. They had ten as a team. I think in the first round they were averaging like nine blocks a game. You know, so you play small ball against him, you're going to get your stuff swatted without question. He was he was incredible. Uh, he was he was really amazing last night. You know the 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 questions that. And I love Stan Van Gundy and calling the game. He had a couple of really cool moments. One was at the end of the game when he said how you play against Golden State at the end. He said it's ABC. Anyone but Curry. Uh, and, and, and that's that's what the Lakers were trying to do. And you end up with Jordan Poole trying to take that three, you know, um, with what, nine seconds ago? Uh, you know, so that that's really not the – now, he did make six along with, as you said, Clay and Steph, but – 
I'd feel a lot better if Clay or Steph were taking one of those threes, but it was Poole given Stan Van Gundy's kind of anybody but Curry method. Yeah, Poole pulled up and said, it is my time to shine, and nobody else wanted to see that. Like, we just came off a series where Dylan Brooks, who we'll get to in a bit, was a little in over his head. Right. And Jordan Poole was feeling himself, and he decided to go for the heat check shot in the most critical juncture of the game. They're down three at that point, and they've got 10 seconds left on the clock, I think among many things, because I saw people pulling stats about Jordan Poole and how well he fared from 30-plus feet during the season as a shooter and all this stuff. The bottom line is critical juncture of the game. You've got 10 seconds left, and you're Jordan Poole. I don't care how open you are. There's a reason from that distance. They're comfortable seeding that shot to you at that moment you play on the team with Steph Curry you find a way in that time to either get a better shot because they had Vanderbilt coming over who if he dribbled up and got a step closer to the line I think might have been able to close space but you've got time for a better shot and to hoist that up there was Jordan Poole believing in Jordan Poole more than anybody else believed in Jordan Poole at that juncture you know, and, and I, I guess there's part of you that says that's what you want. Now, of the three, you said they all made six. He had the best percentage. You know, he was he now he took the least amount of them. Steph was six of thirteen, Clay six of sixteen, and Poole was six of eleven. So he had the best actuals. He was shooting over fifty percent from three point land. So I guess it's tough to really say, man, should he take that shot? Now it was a distance three. Uh, no doubt about it. You know, you could you wonder if he could have got closer and it was to tie. It just it just, you know, and, and as Golden State, what are they going to say? They're going to say, we're, we're fine with him taking that shot. He was hitting him during, during the game. So we're cool with that. But, boy, what? And, and this is one where the Lakers at one point were up, what, 11 or 12 in the fourth? And just like Anthony Davis in the postgame interview was like, man, these guys are that good. I mean, in a blink of an eye, he said, we need to clean up the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. He's like, you all saw what happened. <laughs> he goes, we had a double-digit lead, and they erase it like it's nothing when they just start knocking down those threes. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because they looked like they ran out of gas. Like, you looked, AD and LeBron looked yeah. tired after this game. They were coming off three days of rest after their last series against Memphis, and I, I think – this was a calculated risk by the Lakers. LeBron James playing over 40 minutes in this game, AD selling out. They said, look, we're coming off all this rest. We got to steal one on the road. I'd imagine they're going to get obliterated in game two. Because Steph Curry, even though he ended up leading Golden State in scoring, was not on his game. After the first quarter and early flurry, he didn't really get going again until the fourth quarter. I feel like they're going to come out there and light them up like a Christmas tree in the second game because LeBron and the Lakers are basically going to seed this and say, we knew we had to get one. We did the job. Now we're going to rally the troops and get back home because LeBron James knows if he wants to get into a longevity battle in this series, being the best guy with Steph Curry, they're going to lose out on that one. Him and AD don't have as much gas in the tank as a guy like Steph night in, night out, I think, to be the focal point of the offense. I think Steph is more capable of doing that night in, night out than LeBron James or Anthony Davis individually at this point. I completely agree. I think I think Golden State's going to ruin them in game two. I will take Golden State in any bet there is on, on this game two. I, I agree with everything. They, it's just like we talked about, you know, with, with Miami, with Philly and Boston. What do you do? And, and it's a different situation because they had injured guys. Butler doesn't play in game two. And the Knicks win. Randall comes back and has a big game for the Knicks. But I think Miami was fo- obviously fine with that. 
because they got the win in New York. So they got home court going back to Miami. And I don't think they play again until Saturday, I think, Friday or Saturday. So he's got more rest. Joel Embiid, same way. Do you get more rest? You know, uh, they, they, they steal one uh, in Boston. So they've got home court. So do they even want to bring Embiid back? We'll have to wait and see uh, for game two or rest him until game three, knowing they have that. Because I agree with you in this series. This is, this is longevity. This is rest uh, for the age of, of LeBron and for the health of, because I still say with, with, with Anthony Davis, man, I just watch him all the time and you're just waiting for that little thing that becomes a big thing. But I'm quick, you know, we always talk about stars in these games. Man, I'm going to give it up for Jared Vanderbilt. That dude can play man. some defense. That dude was all over Steph. You mentioned Steph early. Vanderbilt was playing some D. I, I don't look at him, obviously, as a scorer. Had a couple blocks as well and rebounds. But I love his, I love a good defensive tenacity. And, and I lo- and I love watching him do that. I, I, that was that was fun to watch. I love watching off ball, especially because we talked about how much Clay and Steph run all over the place. And Vanderbilt was really impressive on the defensive side. I thought. Yeah, it, it becomes a really interesting conundrum for Darvin Ham because we saw late in that game, you had you know, uh, Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder was playing pretty well for the entire night. Right. When you look up and down the Lakers scores for the night, so. Uh, D'Angelo Russell ended up with 19 points. Dennis Schroeder ended up with 19 points off the bench for them. Austin Reeves had 10, especially late in that game, some clutch playmaking from him. But Darvin Ham had to make decisions late in that game. Hey, we need an injection of office so I, offense, so I got to get these guys back out there. But you saw when it was the non-Vanderbilt players, especially in the backcourt for the Lakers, all of a sudden life got a lot easier for Steph Curry and we know he doesn't need a whole lot of room like if we're gauging the secondary players in this series who are going to have to step up and be big I think we saw both of them for each team last night because you mentioned Jared Vanderbilt who's been sensational since the trade deadline for the Lakers in general and then on the other side Kevon Looney again 23 rebounds in this game uh, crazy. down low banging crazy. with Anthony Davis he's had a postseason run especially on the glass that's one to remember yeah, he had what, what four 20-plus rebound performances in the playoffs. He's a leading rebounder right now. He and Anthony Davis both with 23 rebounds. Ridiculous how, they, how they're on the boards. But I'm with you. I like watching the non-star player and which one is going to step up here. The other thing Stan Van Gundy said that, that I agree with, and I, and I see this a lot as well, so the Lakers are up with the ball with time running out, right? And, and he said it as soon as LeBron crossed half, half court line, he's like, don't settle for this. Don't do this. And it's like, he's like, it happens all the time. You let the clock run down and you don't get the shot you want. That's still an area where he said LeBron can drive the lane and try and create something. LeBron just dribbles, dribbles. And I'm just saying LeBron because it was him last night. But we see this all the time in NBA games is you got the lead and the clock's running down and you end up getting a horrific shot. One that you don't really want. And, of course, they did, and he missed it. And, you know, there's, there's Golden State trying to get back in the game. So I was with him on a couple of things he said late. It's just like you stop everything you're doing, you dribble, 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 and don't get a shot that you want when you can really ice the game. Yeah, well, I, and I guess that's why I, I say what I do, especially about LeBron, because he had the ball and he settled for a jump shot and – We've seen his jump shots just not been connecting. 9 of 24 last night from the field, 1 of 8 from 3. And even getting to the rim, he's not as explosive as he used to be. So that's a little bit less consistent. He could still bully people. And we saw one-on-one with Klay Thompson and some of these other guys. You get him touches down in the post and stuff like that. 
he's going to be a problem. But over the long course of a series, like I'd imagine there's going to be one LeBron James takeover game, right? If they win this yeah, series, yeah. he's got to be very good for them consistently. There's going to be one where he has to go off. But besides that, he doesn't have as many of those left in the chamber as Steph based on the way his game sits right now. And that's just comparing the two superstars that we talk about in this series. Like, Steph Curry off shooting night last night, but still so potent. That best part of his game hasn't been compromised, I think, in the same way that LeBron's has been compromised. So who did you think was going to win this series going in, Dad? And did last night change your opinion of that at all? Yeah, I, I thought Go- I thought Golden State was just hot right now. Uh, I, I just did. The way Looney was on the glass and obviously the shooters that you have. I mean, anytime they get off, coming off screens and get those shots, you just are like, that's a three. You, you think it's going in more than it's not going in. But I, I give the Lakers a lot of credit. But I agree with you and I've heard others say it, they really sold out in game one coming off the, the three days rest. They said, this is the one. We, we're rested up as, as well as we can be at this point. Let's get after it and throw everything at them right now. And they did, and, and it was a good game. Golden State still had their chances at the end after making that 11- or 12-point lead just absolutely disappear. But I, I think this, this could be a longer series. Um, obviously, you got to give the Lakers a little bit of love that they can do it now, especially the way Anthony Davis is playing and some of those supporting players. But just the shooting of Golden State when they're on is amazing. They took 106 shots. Their 106 shots are the most field goal attempts in a playoff game that ended in regulation since 1990. 100. So when that team is taking 106 shots, as we saw, three guys made six threes. You know with Steph and, and, and Clay that they can be out of their mind shooting those. So, yeah, that, that's a worry. And then on the other side, I have a worry of time and energy for LeBron and injury for Anthony Davis. So over a seven-game haul, there's part of me that leans toward Golden State, though. The Lakers, I think, writing up their game plan, you always love it when it happens, when you drop a game plan and it works. And I think that was their game plan, is throw the kitchen sink at them in game one, get that one, and we know no matter what, we're going back to L.A. with home court advantage. It's You're right. It's what can you count on consistently from that game plan, and that's the big question coming off this. What underscores that is, in the Anthony Davis side of things and in the Lakers side of things. So he had the 30-25 stat line. I saw he was the first players or the only other player in NBA postseason history that had 30 points, 20-plus rebounds, five assists, and three blocks in a game was Tim Duncan. So rarefied air there. But in a Lakers uniform, Anthony Davis is the first guy to go for 30, 20, and 5 since Shaq. This is, I believe, AD's first time doing this in the postseason. And as Brandon reminded me today when they went to Shaq and inside the NBA after the game to talk – Shaq had 10 of those games in the postseason as a Laker. Yeah. Like, it's just a reminder as far as consistently what you can count on, there's levels to this. And the one level that exists at the top sits across and makes fun of Charles Barkley on a nightly basis on Inside the NBA. You forget how, how just Ugh. deadly physical Shaq was out on the court. I mean, in, in a sport where you get to the pros and everybody's a professional, everybody's good when you get guys that dominate like – See, Shaq used to do it, you know, AD, like AD at the free throw line, hit all his free throws. I mean, he's he's smooth in some of that where Shaq was just an absolute bulldozer and basically did whatever he wanted. 
Yeah, uh, good, good, good lifestyle to be able to live. Uh, good work if you can get it. I think is the phrase I'm looking for there. Yeah. But uh, let's stick with Biggs. Coming up next, one big man finally gets the one award that had been eluding him during his NBA career. Joel Embiid named your 2022-23 NBA MVP. Did they get it right this time? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So this was a pretty cool moment. We had the second round of the NBA, plenty of good action last night. Like I said, the Knicks even up the series against the Heat with no Jimmy Butler. The Lakers get it done on the road at Golden State. But the 76ers, who were on an off day, got some awesome news. Joel Embiid was announced as the 2022-23 NBA MVP. And there's a pretty cool uh, video of that moment and Joel getting the announcement that we got here. was on different speeds in that room by the way Joel Embiid was clearly for a guy that had been knocking on the doorstep for this for a while campaigning for it pretty openly clearly got hit by the moment he seemed legitimately struck legitimately emotional and his teammates were on a completely different energy there making fun of him for crying all this stuff that was chaotic in that room for what was still ultimately a really cool moment for Joel Embiid dad did they get this right we know it was a race between him Giannis and Jokic was this the right guy to win the award yeah, I think it was. I know there's a lot of talk going in this. Again, everybody remember it's a regular season award, nothing to do with the playoffs. Uh, but but I think they did. I didn't have a problem with Jokic winning it the last couple of years. He was going for that three-peat. Um, but we have a center now winning it three years in a row um, with Jokic twice and now Embiid. So, no, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest, Mike. I don't put a ton into MVP races because 
a lot of times there's a lot of different voters and what's their criteria? What are they using? You know, and everybody's always a little different. It's a great, listen, uh, maybe I'd think differently if I was up for one of those awards, <laughs> but I, I never, never was. But um, so I, I, because there's so much different criteria, it's great for shows like this. It's great fodder to debate, you know, who should have been the MVP, who's the greatest of all time. But it, it just comes down to your opinion on what you think MVP means. And they got the right guys, the top three guys. In fact, those top three guys are the only ones who got first and second place votes. Uh, of everybody, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't, I don't wait there with bated breath on MVP awards to see who's picked. In all honesty, no, I think you're right. It's sort of like when we do top five lists for different things, it ends up being more of a vibe than your actual ranking one yeah. through five because you can only jam so many guys in there. When we talk with JJ Redick about it, made the point you could make an argument for any of these guys. You're you're trying to get close enough. And then it's usually circumstances outside of your control. Joel had the monster game against the Celtics near the end of the regular season, right as MVP voting opened and that stuff got sent out to a lot of people and it worked out well. And I think there is something too, when you're good enough up to a certain level, some bit of that narrative inertia takes over. And Joel had been very public about this for a while. He wanted to win this award, especially now or later in his career, as he's been healthy for long enough stretches to actually be eligible. We know that's going to specifically go into play next year with that 65-game minimum for so many of the awards. But I was happy for him. He's an extremely deserving MVP. What he does for Philadelphia on both ends of the basketball court has been phenomenal for a while. It does become interesting now to think, though, because like you said, the last run of MVPs here, oddly enough, the last five MVPs, all international players. Before the last five years, there had only been three international players to win MVP ever in Akeem Olajuwon, Steve Nash, and Dirk Nowitzki. And now we've gone Giannis back-to-back years, Jokic back-to-back years, and Embiid out of Cameroon. So three straight international players as MVPs here. Starting to think of who's next. This has been the group of players for a while, these big men in the NBA. Who's kind of next up? And Jason Tatum, who finished fourth in the MVP voting right. this year, seems like the guy that's probably primed to take the next step as we're all going to train our eyes on somebody who needs to get over that hump. What he's done with the Boston Celtics, who currently in a little bit of a dogfight right now with Joel's 76ers team, he seems like the prime one for us to start to put our view on next. I agree. And I also, you know, we had an influx of young guards a while back uh, through the league. I think that helped a lot. And But I, I'm happy to see, you know, we, we talk about a positionless NBA at times, but I'm happy to see these last three with big men, right? Jokic, who, who is an incredible player with that dad body, is an incredible passer as well. And then and Embiid is just a dominant player. But I, I'm happy to see the big guys getting this award. You know, I, 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 this happened back in the day a bit, certainly, uh, with the big guys. But uh, I like that it's happening now. But I agree with you. I think Tatum is kind of that next in line. The, the infiltration of, of great players in this league coming from, from college, is I, I think, is incredible. I think the game is in great shape. I know some people don't like the way it's played now. But I love watching it the way it is. The guys are so athletic in what they do. But there's just something about a big man taking over a game. And, you know, we, we always have to keep reminding people that it's a regular season award. When they start doing well in the playoffs, people start commenting, well, I wonder if that'll help. No, it won't. What helped was the last week of the regular season when Philadelphia played Boston 
and Embiid went for 52 and 13. That's why you kind of put the nail in the coffin at the end of the regular season because it turns out it wasn't even that close. He had 75 first place votes. Jokic had 15. Giannis had 12. He had 915 points, and and Jokic was second with 674. So it really wasn't as close as some thought it might be. Yeah, that was the billing leading up. I remember ESPN did all those straw polls and said this might be the closest MVP race ever. It is wild, too, getting down to fifth on the list after, because all the names up there we mentioned, Giannis, Joker, Embiid, those all made sense in there. Jason Tatum finishes fourth. How about Shea Gildress-Alexander finishing fifth in the MVP voting overall? Love that. I mean, absolutely love that. I mean, I would say there's many of the casual NBA fans that sure as heck didn't know a whole lot about this guy. And what a year that he had and what we look forward to him going forward. Now, you know what? Now his name's out there a little bit. So a little more focus will be on him on the production that he gets gives now. You mentioned the young players starting to take up on this, and and you're right about the bigs, the evolution that we've seen of how these guys had to change and evolve. Someone brought it up the other night. Brooke Lopez is actually a really interesting case study for that. A guy who, for the first portion of his career, didn't even attempt X amount of threes and now is making them with regularity for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Giannis as a stretch five and how we kind of had to invent that turn. Jokic bringing the ball up consistently. Embiid as a shooter from the outside. That's all insane. Equally as nuts is this year is really a turning of the page. This was the first year in his career LeBron James didn't receive an MVP vote. Like, that, just saying that out loud is wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly missed some time, obviously, with the injury, but he's still playing incredibly well. Uh, we'll, we'll see what all NBA team he's on. I, I've heard reports to be maybe on the third team possibly, um, maybe second team. I, I don't know. I mean, you never know with voters how that's going to go with a name as recognizable and someone who's played great over the years like that. But that is pretty well. And you know what? LeBron is one of those players. We see the greats do it. We saw Brady do it all the time. You kind of find anything to put a chip on your shoulder, don't you? So, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe in LeBron's world, he's got he's got MVPs, obviously. That's enough to keep a chip on his shoulder to say, okay, no votes, I'll show you, you know, when next year rolls around, when he's in year 35, you know, of what he can do. So we'll see. But yeah, that, that is pretty wild considering how, you know, he's been pretty much synonymous with all-star, with uh, MVP votes or all-stars or MVPs uh, to not get one vote at all. Yeah, it, it, it was nuts there. So congratulations to Joel Embiid. Uh, glad we could finally put this one off to the side. Got it done. He's the first Sixer since Allen Iverson uh, to get in on that action. One other NBA headline I saw from yesterday, Dad, that I wanted to get your opinion on. The report came from Shams over at uh, The Athletic. The Memphis Grizzlies had informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances league sources say so it wasn't a direct statement from memphis but it was a report that was clearly given to shams and the unders any circumstances was trending on twitter all day yesterday it's cold as ice is that sentiment pretty foul from memphis because once i got over like obviously we've all had a lot of fun joking at dylan brooks expense part of me does want to pull back a little bit and recognize all right, this is a person who got in over his head. He made choices and he's got to live with them. But now on the other side of this, it's one thing for us in the peanut gallery to look at this situation. For the team to, I think, pretty clearly 
give a report like this or let a report like this leak out about Dylan Brooks with that language feels a little bit over the line from their standpoint. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'd need more, Mike, you know, because we don't know exactly what they said to him. And is Shams paraphrasing what was said? You know, what did he talk to somebody and say, is there any way it comes back? And they just said, no, there's no way he's coming back. And then he kind of put it in those terms saying under no circumstances. That's what I don't know. Listen, if, if they told someone outside the organization, listen, under no circumstances, this guy coming back, knowing it's going to get out. Yeah, that's probably a little much. You probably don't want to go down that road, but I would need to know a little more context of how he came up with that term. Was that term used or did he kind of, by what was said to him, use that term himself? So, but if in fact that was just what you said, if in fact that was the term used, that's probably a little much, even, even though, you know, Dylan Brooks became quite the heel for everybody. Right, like he wrote a check that the rest of them had to cash in a way that was a net negative. Wasn't playing his best basketball by the end, but before all this and before Dylan Brooks started to maybe put himself in conversations he didn't need to be in, for the most part, we looked at him as pretty competent agitator, 3 and D guy for them, which is apparently what he's trying to get away from. I guess uh, Ramona Shelburne said yesterday that Dylan Brooks wants $25 million a year, and that's why the Grizzlies are parting ways with him. I know he's got a lot of bad press right now, but, Dad, this is a league where all the time, like the rite of passage in the NBA every summer, is NFL players sitting around and watching contracts like that get doled out to guys exactly like Dylan Brooks, who no one ever really thinks would deserve that, usually don't have the press that Dylan Brooks has, but somehow are still cleaning up at the bank. So part of me won't be surprised when somebody gives Dylan Brooks way more money than we would imagine he'd get right at this moment now coming off that series. A guy who all his years, six years, were in Memphis, Memphis averages 14.5 points a game, a little over three rebounds a game, two assists a game. Um, you know, basically his three-pointers, he's like close to two of five each game, $25 Because you're right. We go through NBA free agency when we see players, especially quarterbacks, get a ton of money, and we're like, wow. And then NFL players see NBA players go through free agency, and they're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. That guy got that amount of money. And again, I'll never, if Dylan Brooks gets $25 million a year, I will stand up and applaud. I want every player to get as much as they can. All that shows you if a guy with those stats, and and again, you can't put everything on stats, but if he got 25 million a year, that also tells you how flush that sport is as well. Of Everybody is making money. And again, more power to him. I hope he gets it. Seems like an awful lot for that production, but you, and again, you can ask for whatever you want and, you know, just like I did and be prepared to say no. <laughs> hey, listen, we can, there's no crime in asking. There's absolutely no, none. No. And Shoot Dylan Brooks has come out and says he thinks he can be more than a three and D player. He thought he was slick coming out a couple of days after everybody gave him grief for not speaking to the media and saying, I don't regret my comments, yada, yada, yada. Like, right. dude, the window right. closed for that. So, Honestly, my advice from here on out, because you're right, if he gets the payday, good for him. Someone do it. He's got to make a choice here. Because at this point, this is his Joker origin story, this series. And so you either decide, one, you're going to go the full opposite route and go silent assassin. You're going to be the guy that goes Kawhi Leonard on him, decides to say nothing now and just handles his business, really focuses on ball, does all that. Or, and this is what he needed to do in the Lakers series, you got to commit more to the bit. 
Like, you gotta step to the mic after and either own it or just keep doubling down. You can't go radio silent when you've decided to become the heel and the mouthpiece. You've gotta commit to the bit. And so, I think those are the only two paths ahead for Dylan Brooks. And quite honestly, part of me hopes he commits to the bit. Like, I had no problem with him speaking out before that series. I just had a problem with him clamming up when all of a sudden everything got flipped on him. You gotta be that guy all the time. There's value in that. And that's what he's got to make the decision about going forward. Yeah, listen, I agree. And the next next decision is trying to convince a team to make that decision and give him that money and then decide how he's going to play. So good luck to him. Uh, we know he ain't going back to Memphis <laughs> under no circumstances. Well, so uh, it'll, be, I, I, it'll be interesting where he goes. I hope Dylan Brooks has friends like Aaron Rodgers. Did you see now that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers – or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. My God, Freudian slip. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are continuing to recreate the Packers, signing Randall Cobb to come over there. Aaron Rodgers, who denied Diana Rossini's report that he had a list or whatever that he gave to the Jets of players, seems like he's operating from a list of guys that he consistently wants around him. So Dylan Brooks needs to find him a friend like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, listen, uh, uh, whether there's a list or whether it's just suggestions, because, listen, we did see this in Tampa Bay when Tom went there, right? We saw players sign there for, you know, the one-year deals trying to, to jump onto that train. Now, these are players doing that that have played with Aaron Rodgers. They, they weren't, in Tampa Bay, they weren't all players that outside of, like, Gronk that played with Tom in New England. They were from other teams. But these are guys, yeah, that have played with Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and we, have we still had a Mercedes Lewis sighting yet? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, to think there wasn't a, a list or a suggested list, a whisper in the ear of how about these guys? Yeah, but there, let me tell you, putting together a nice, uh, nice little receiving crew to go with the youngster, Garrett Wilson. I need, I need the schedule release video for the Jets to be a heist video, put because that's what this is. I'm getting the gang back together for one last job. And the final piece, you said it, I need a prayer circle to get Mercedes Lewis somehow, <laughs> some way to the New York Jets. That is what I ask of you, God in America. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, time to finish this thing off the only way we know how. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end the day. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Let Brandon Newman know how badly you want him back on here singing an intro into this, that, and the third. Um, (laughs) Dad, let's get with this. The late career into retirement revival for J.J. Watt has been really incredible. Like I thought he did a phenomenal job in the match commentating with Charles Barkley talking about golf. And as he also mulls apparently starting a podcast with his brother TJ, him and his wife Kelia, who was a uh, you know great player in the NWSLs, have been a great professional soccer player for a while, have both decided to buy in a minority ownership stake to Burnley FC, which is recently promoted to the Premier League. Dad, this in addition to having like Ted Lasso vibes and Ryan Reynolds vibes, I think just continues to speak to how well JJ's Watt do- JJ Watt has done with his public PR since he hung up the cleats. Can I first say what about Derek? 
What about their brother Derek? Are they just leaving him out? Man, I mean, it's a great I, I, I know we, I know we got the Kelseys uh, doing their show. We got uh, Kyle and Chris Long jump on together there as well. I mean, are you just dumping out on your other brother there? That's that's pretty wild. But it it used to be that players finished and they were going to coaching. Now, don't get me wrong; some still do. When I'm going around doing NFL games, I run into guys who I played with or against that are in the coaching world now. But the ones that make that money, man, they go into ownership of other sports. It, it's amazing, right? You, we, we talked about, you know, Ryan Reynolds, but we talked about Snoop Dogg as well. You know Tom Brady is going to do that, get into ownership. Other players have gotten into ownership. They don't want to coach anymore. Hell, they don't even want to GM anymore, you know, get into the front office. They want to own, you know, <laughs> they want to be part owners of these teams and with the money that they're making and then with their face, like when Magic Johnson was was part owner of the Dodgers, it was more that, hey, you know, Magic, he, I think it was such a small percentage of it, but still being out there as a face of the product, that's what these guys have the money to do now. And they like doing it more than just grinding, going in and coaching. <laughs> I mean, hell yeah, this is the fun way to be rich. Like you're just like he said, he's not Ryan Reynolds money where he can buy the entire team or anything like that. Right. But it's just enough to go and get to do a bunch of fun PR, get to go sit in the owner's box at these matches, and get all of the positive benefits from these things. Like no one in the premiership is going to be trying to burn down JJ Watt's house if things don't go well for Burnley. He's right. too far down the list to where he's yeah. gonna get any of the blame for that. And he gets to reap all the benefits, though. This is smart business and a smart way to go about it. If you were a player, like you said, with that much money to burn, but who doesn't want to go in and do what Von Miller talks about wanting to do and be a GM in the NFL after years yeah, of putting yeah. his body on the line. So congratulations I like, to I like JJ Watt. Include your brother Derek in the podcast, JJ. Yeah, for please, love of God. please bring him in there as well. I, I agree with that. Yes. All right, Dad. Uh, let's get to that. Uh, big news outside of the world of sports right now, as late night TV shows go dark and the Writers Guild of America is striking dad is a former union guy i think you can appreciate and i'd say we both support pay the writers what they're worth they do a phenomenal job um this is reminiscent for a lot of people who remember this happening back in 2007 this is the first writer's strike we've had in the last 17 years and for anyone that needs to know how bad it can get on friday night the lights they had landry in season two kill a guy there was a murder plot line that went horrifically wrong there so this could go off the rails quickly. Conan O'Brien was spinning his wedding ring on late night for time. Dad, that being said, you watch more TV than anybody I know. If they came to you in desperation right now for one of your favorite shows and said, we need a storyline, we've got no writers, we've got nothing that happened. Obviously, you as a union man would never cross the picket line. But if you had to pitch right. one, what would it be? Well, for me, it would be um, Succession. And I would have had Logan Roy fake his death. That he would be, Ooh. he would disappear. Like he, he's died on the plane. Maybe his assistant on the plane gave him a shot of something that gets his heart rate down low enough to where it appears he's dead. They pull him off the plane, right? And then they have that really the closed casket because it's empty. And they go through the whole funeral and he's still alive. And he'll show up in the second to last of the, the series, you know, being over this year. And come back in and start wreaking havoc that only Logan Roy can do. That's what my twist I would do. Logan Roy faked his death. I I was thinking like maybe he would use it as a way to get out and retire on an island. But you're right. He'd come back and ruin his kids' lives without question. That man only operates at one speed. 
I, I would probably go Ted Lasso steroid scandal, and I'm a couple episodes behind this season, so if they've gotten to the steroid scandal portion of this, I thought maybe that could pop up with Zaba, but didn't, so I would go for Ted Lasso steroid scandal. I want someone on the juice there, Coach Beard supplying it, and now we've got to deal wow. with how the Premier League is going to legislate that. So nothing like injecting steroids, pun intended, into sports. Absolutely right. Hell, it was real sports when I was doing shows and discussing it, so why not put it in fake sports? Exactly. It's where it belongs. Dad, let's get to the third, though, because this is an intersection of one of the movies that was a real coming-of-age moment for me, my younger brother Jake, and you, as we get the announcement here that Pedro Pascal of The Last of Us, Game of Thrones fame, is apparently in the final stages of negotiations with Paramount, to co-star in Gladiator 2. Now, the original Gladiator, one of our favorite movies of all time, you took me and Jake when we were young. It was one of the first rated R movies that we ever all saw together to go see this movie. Russell Crowe, Maximus, one of the most badass movies of all time. So how do you feel about a sequel to Gladiator? There's not much plot that's been leaked out about this yet other than some of the casting. Denzel Washington also going to be in this movie. Are you pro Gladiator 2? So, because I like the movie so much, yeah, but, you know, they came out with another 300, which is another one of my favorites, and, you know, just you know, like like the next, you know, sequence of it, and what it wasn't a remake of it, uh, it was a part two, like this is going to be. I'm scared about I'd go watch it because I loved the first ones. I, I'd go watch it, but more importantly, I want to take this as my opportunity. I want to be killed in a movie. I have, I have been doing this for a couple of decades now when I've had my own show and saying I want to be part of an action movie and get killed. So I'm on a, I want to start for this because it's in the beginning of it. I'm going to watch it, but I'd love to be in it. I don't need a, any kind of starring role. Let me be a bad guy, a bad gladiator that kills a few people, and then I get just destroyed somehow, just dismembered somehow, some way, killed in an awful way. I'm ready for that. There we go. Clip this, send it out, make sure it gets in front of the right people. My dad wants to be killed on screen in Gladiator 2 alongside Pedro Pascal. If you enjoyed this podcast before that, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube. Thanks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.